0: Jamie Harris, Amanda Rixie, Ben and Natalia Alnian, and Sierra Hawthorne. And tonight, Sierra is here with us. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just so excited that she is here tonight, you guys. And she's gonna be sharing some just incredible stories from her own life and um, some stories of what God is doing around the world. Um, for those of you who don't know, Sierra was actually a student here at Central, just like you guys. I think uh, she and I overlapped by like two years. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. So um, got to go to school together for a little bit. Uh, she was a music student, and she's an incredible French horn player. So if you guys, you know, want to talk French horn, just she's your girl. Um, after she graduated from Central, she moved down to California for a little bit to do the Calpha internship at Stanford and then did missions in India after that. And is now working in the United States for an evangelism-focused organization called Awakening Ministries International. Um, So I'd say pretty good before you turn 30. You know, got some life experience there. Um, But seriously, like, my favorite thing about Sierra is that when you talk to her, you just have no doubt that she just loves the Lord with all of her heart. Like, you can't talk to her and miss that. Um, And she's just so passionate about Jesus and so passionate about the world getting to know God and getting the opportunity to have a personal relationship with him. Um, so, you guys, I'm just so excited that she is here tonight. I'm so thankful, Sierra, that you flew all the way across the country to be here. So thank you for coming. Um, and with that, I'm going to turn it over to you, and let's welcome her up here. <laughs> Keep clapping. Keep clapping. <laughs>
1: so much for the introduction it's way nicer than what my life actually is like (laughs) Um, but yeah I mean it's so cool God's brought me to so many different places around the world Um, I never never even dreamt that I'd be able to stand foot on Stanford's campus Um, I wished and prayed God would take me to India and he did and and now of all places, I live in Minnesota, and we call it Minnesota because it snows, man. It is so cold. Like we were having snow like two weeks ago, and it gets down to negative twenty degrees, where it's just painful. Like it's not even nice. It's not even outside. Outside, it's just painful. Um, but I got to walk on a frozen lake last like this past winter, so that was really cool. Um, but yeah, so. I'm really excited to be here. I feel really honored um, to be invited to be with you guys. And um, I guess, yeah, I'm Sierra. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, and so Melissa told me you guys have been going through a joining God's story. Um, and you guys have been investigating about Abraham and Moses and Isaiah and different people in the Bible and their story and how it, they got to join God's story. So, um, I just kind of wanted to start out with with defining story. It's really simple. um, It's an account of incidents and events, plain and simple. And um, our our story is really cool because we we think about the experiences that we've had, the events in our life, and some of them are amazing, amazing moments. Um, They're captivating, invigorating, and a state of high emotion where you're just like pure joy, like when your crush tells you that they like you. You're like, Eeks, yes! <laughs> you kick your feet and flutter, and you're like, yes! Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm not gonna be alone. And um, or when you, I this, I got to visit my sister not too long ago, and she lives in Seattle, and she took me to a, s- a sushi bar, and I had the best smoked salmon nigiri. I was like, ooh, this is this is a mark in my life right now. <laughs> so good. Um, but there are also events that we have in our life that are hard. They're painful seasons of depression, um, and pain and fear. And, um, those are events that also contribute to the overall story of our life. And, um, the Bible is, is broken up into 66 books and each of them have an account and have all of these different events, um, and we get to read about it, and the way we read about, and the way we go about the Bible too, is we kind of just we flip it open and we start reading, and we're like, Samson, okay, he struck, he struck down a thousand people with a donkey's jaw. Ooh, okay, that's interesting one. Or we read in First King, First Kings eighteen about Jesus, and he's all powerful, and he consumes up the altar and all the water that's around it. And uh, we read about these different events, these different accounts in the Bible, and sometimes it's hard to make sense of it all like, how does this make sense? And so I want you guys to imagine a tiny little treasure box in front of you right now. It's a little box. You unlatch it, and you open it up. And inside, you reach in, and you pull out a little charm. And each charm represents an event in your life, like the time when you had to decide what college to go through, what college you you wanted to go to. And you look at it, and you remember the feeling that you had. Um, you remember the, the, the decisions you had to make, the way you were thinking, the impact that it had in your life. And you learn lessons from it. Each one is significant, and it has a lesson to you learned. And you, you pull out another one, and you, and you pull out another one. And each of them kind of are accounts of your life. And they're all cool and shiny. And some of them take you back to a point where it was, it was hard but you learned a lot from it. Um, and each of these can are significant, and you can put it back in the box and close it up, and it's significant. It's It's cool. Or you can take each charm, and you can thread them together. And that thread is the mission of God. God's mission is to redeem people and to bless people. That's his mission. And by redeem, I mean... To win back to fight for to um, to free from captivity by r- by p- by purchase of ransom to um, to remove and free from any debt or blame, to redeem someone um, and to bless people, to bless people, and so that thread, if we decide to that thread and thread it through each of the charms of our life all of, all of our, our life events then have one theme stringing through all of them the mission of God it's what we move into it's the decisions that it helps us make the decisions of our life how do I partner with God in, in the redemption of people and in blessing other people and the other thing that it does, too, is when we have it all strung together, it, we don't have to put it back into the box, but we can wear it proudly as an adornment for who we are as children of God. It functions differently. We function differently. And so I want to sh- want to share that our story is important, but when we join our story with God's story, it becomes power. So tonight, I have my own charms, they're not in a treasure box, they're in grocery bags, and um, I need, I think I have seven bags, So I need seven volunteers to come and grab a bag and then come, you can go and have a seat, yeah, come on, come on up, come on up, yep, you can come, you can come, you can come, how many people we got, girl, come on up, yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I think that's good. each of you have a bag, and um, inside the bag is an item that represents a story in my life, an event in my life, and I'm going to share that story with you guys. I want to share it with you and let you know how I've been joining with God and his story through these accounts. Um, these are my charms, and um, so I want to share that with you, and they're going to be out of sequence, out of order but that's kind of how life works none of us journey through the same thing at the same time it's not it's not like we have to reach a certain level and then once we pass that level we get to the next level it's not mario (laughs) we don't have a loading screen um and we're all on our, our different path and god knows us intimately enough um to know which lesson we're learning which journey to take so um yeah who would like to stand up and go first Whoever's doing the slides, can you show the picture of my dad? (laughs) It was hard dating in high school. Let me say. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All (laughs) right. Yeah. yeah, So I put in a a power protein shake drink to symbolize power. Um, I grew up and yeah, this is my dad. His name is Rodney, and. um, He is 51 years old in this picture. 51. Yeah. He's been a bodybuilder his whole life. My mom is actually a bodybuilder, too. And so, yeah, my guy friends in high school were like, yeah, man, I lift it. uh." And I was like, my mom has bigger biceps than you. (laughs) 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 But everybody wants to feel strong. Everybody wants to have power in their life. Man. We want a sense of control and of authority, and when we don't have it, we 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 can either go. We we have a couple options. Um, we can either go to someone who has that power, or um, or we can find a way to claim that power for ourselves. And um, I'm speaking about power because I had an amazing an amazing experience at one of our evangelistic festivals. So the organization that I work with, we host these Billy Graham festivals around the world. And this past November, we were in Sierra Leone, and we were reaching the Kissy people in Kalahun Town. And um, there you should know that they have witch doctors, um, and they have people who um, use magic, use dark arts in order to help people, in order to... Help people. Um, and so during our festival nights, we typically have three of them in a row. And during the festival night, our evangelists will come and share the gospel message. And there will be a time of prayer and healing and um, in, in a time for people to receive salvation. And so he gave the opportunity for people to receive salvation. And uh, around like 100, 200 people came forward. They are like, we want to accept Jesus. Um, and the message that he shared was in Acts 8. It was about Simeon. And so I'm going to read it to for you guys now. Now for some time a man named Simeon or Simon, sorry, had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave their attention and exclaimed, "This man is rightly called the great power of god they followed him because he had an amazing because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery but when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of god and the name of jesus christ they were baptized both men and women and simon himself believed and was baptized and he followed philip everywhere astonished by the great signs and the miracles he saw I'm sharing this to you because during that night, um, my, my boss, he's the evangelist Will, was able to share that um, Jesus is the source of power. He's the most powerful one. And he was like, in comparison to everything that you've seen, it is only God. And so he asked the people, where are you getting your power? Who is your source? Do you have to always go back to them? Are you constantly giving more and more of yourself over to them? Because it's a transaction, and only God gives his power freely. And so he was sharing this message. He was sharing that there's no one else comparable to this power. And what we didn't know is our festivals attract all different types of people. Um, and that night, there was a witch, a witch in, in, a, in attendance. And... And as we called people towards salvation, she raised her hand and she decided she was going to live her life with Jesus. And so she came forward. We wrote down her name because we write down every name of all the people who um, indicated salvation. And we found out she was a witch and she wasn't just a witch. She was the witch of the region. Um, She was one of the most powerful witches of that entire region of Sierra Leone. Um, And so Usually, if they're a high-profiled person like that, we don't allow them to share the testimony of what God has done in their life because some people will demand her death. People will will hunt after her and want to kill her for all the things that she's done in her life. But she came up to us and she's like, I must share the gospel. I have to share. I have to share what God has done in my life. We were like, okay, okay, but if it gets too hard, we're going to pull you away. So she gets up and she starts sharing she's 20 years old. And she shares that her grandma was a witch before her and passed down all the rituals over to her when she was little. That she murdered her mom and dad and killed over 25 people. That she used to go into hospitals to steal blood from people. That she took a picture of her sister and put a curse over her that she would never marry and she never did. She was in charge of 5,000 demons and would tell them where to go and who to torture. She used to turn money or people into money. She used to feed people to rats, all these things. And every time she shared, she would stop and just start crying and bawling and weeping because it was the first time in her life she ever felt remorseful for the things that she did. And every time, every time she did, our interpreter would say, This woman truly gave her life to Jesus and is free from all of these things. As she started to explain things, there were family members in the audience who um, had their son or daughter murdered by that woman on the stage who God just saved. So they started to rush the stage. And so my boss took the mic and he was able to say, the power of Jesus is real. And he was distracting the audience so we could hide her in a church. About two weeks later, we followed up, and we just wanted to see how she was doing, and um, she attended every prayer service, has been attending every um, discipleship group, and she is on fire for the Lord, living her life, fully redeemed and fully blessed. The power of God is real, is real, and when we join in to partner with him, we get to be a part of experiencing and witnessing God do amazing things. So these sandals represent a time when I was very, very, very depressed. Um, I just came back from um, my time in India. Sorry, I'm just scrolling. Mm. I just came back from uh, serving in India for about a year, and my my contract was to be in India for two years. And... uh, was really I was really struggling and so my my leadership they asked me if I would go back to the states for three months to go through counseling and it was very very humbling to hear and so I went back mm, excuse me I went back and um when I went back I was so depressed I was very very low um I couldn't get out of my bed. I didn't want to do anything. Um, And I actually started watching YouTube videos on how to leave the faith. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe um, that I could just, like, stop believing in God. I was like, someone needs to teach me how to do this. So I started watching these YouTube videos of other people who did it before me. And It's so crazy because where God placed me was with a family, um, a mom and a dad who they served in Ethiopia for three years. And when they came back, the wife was so depressed. She was bedridden for a year. And she was sharing her story with me one evening and she looked at me and she said, if you can believe that God is good, you don't even have to think about what that means. If you can believe it. You'll make it. And so I was like, okay, okay. Um, and so every every day I, I was just, I was waking up, but I didn't want to do anything, didn't want to do anything. And, and finally I had, um, I started reading different um, missionary books. And I started to um, read the scripture, um, Matthew 12, 30 through 31. And it says, um, love the Lord your God your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Um, and the second is like it, love others as yourself, right? And um, so I took that command, and I broke it up, and I decided that I would do those four things every single day. Somehow I would honor God and love him with my heart, heart equaling emotions. So I was like, I'm going to journal um, your strength. And so that's where the sandals come in. I decided I would go for a walk every day um, with your mind. So I started learning Japanese and Duolingo just to activate my mind and and with your soul. So I decided to pray. Um, And I did those things every day. And if I did those four things, it was a successful day. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And I just showed up for God. I was like, this is what I have to give you. This is what I have. Um, I was immensely lost and broken. But what I learned looking back is that Jesus is a shepherd. He's the great shepherd. And when one of his sheep goes off, one of his sheep, you you know this about sheep where if they fall down and their legs are up, it actually means they're going to die a slow and painful death because they 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 physically can't turn up, <laughs> and the blood something something in the blood will happen um and their heart will start to race and it'll, it will just give up, and so that was me I was like i i can't do this i'm i I can't do this, but so what shepherds will do is they they make sure they're watching their sheep at all times, looking for sheep because they tend to fall over all the time, especially pregnant sheep um they're just you know they just topple over <laughs> um. Yeah, and so they, they watch their sheep, and when they see one, they don't immediately go and stand it back up, but they, mas- they turn it on its side, and they massage the legs tenderly, and then over a little bit of time, they start to put it back on its feet again, and it rejoins the rest of the, peop- the, rest of the group. And so I learned in that moment over that experience that God is a great shepherd and that he wasn't going to let me leave. He was going to bring me back. And the thing that I learned the most is that in order to join in God's story of redemption and, and blessing people, I had to be redeemed. what you saw was a bunch of journals. Um, this was my call into ministry. So all those journals and stuff, I was in the seats right where you guys were. And, um, Michael Mowry was preaching and those notes are filled with notes from his messages, uh, from Melissa's messages, from anybody who was preaching. Um, also from my times, just in my own devotional, my own like diary journal entries and, um, I fell head over heels in love with Jesus my sophomore year in college. Um I read the book of Romans and that just ignited everything within me. And I just saw naturally everything about me starting to change, starting to I didn't want to watch Netflix anymore. I was like, let's watch sermons. Mm. Um I didn't want to I didn't want to watch YouTube videos anymore or I wanted to watch like um Pastor Robert Morris. I was really into Paul Washer if anybody knows him. <laughs> um really into th- some of these guys and I was just reading a lot um reading different books asking questions leaning in I was so passionately in love with Jesus and it was during a winter retreat Saturday night I was praying and worshiping because it's always Saturday night worship right when Jesus talks and um you know I'm, I'm raising my hands I'm like "Ooh, yes Lord the music is so good mm. I'm like Shabbat that no I'm just kidding um and I get this image in my in my head, um, and it was a huge body of water, and all these different countries in in the water, and I was elevated and floating up above everything, and um, and I was just looking out, and I saw all these waters, and um, so I, I took some time. I was like, "What does this mean, Lord? Help me to interpret it. What does it mean?" And um, later, I just felt like God was calling me into ministry calling me into ministry, and um, I was like, why did I feel so free, and why was I floating, and at the time, it felt like it was because I was graduating with only three thousand dollars in debt. Um, I wasn't in a relationship and tied down, and I didn't get easily homesick. I don't think I ever got homesick once being in college, and um, even when I was in India, and I was quite adaptable to things, Um, and so I felt that God was asking me to be a missionary, and he confirmed it later with different people. and It, tra- it changed the trajectory of my life. Um, and so when I think about that charm, I think about how God speaks to us. God speaks to us. And he speaks to us because of Genesis 1, 26 and 27, and that says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them male and female. We're all made in the image of God. And that comes with two implications. The first one is because we are made in the image of God, we are capable of knowing him. We're capable of hearing his voice. We're capable of speaking to him and being heard. We're capable of choosing him. Like, like think about it. Out of all the things he created... When he speaks to the waves and the wind, they immediately obey him. They don't have a choice. We have a choice because it's a relationship that we get to have with him. So that's one. We're capable of knowing him and having a a relationship with him. The second one is because we are made in the image of God, we are capable of representing him. Because we're able to hear him speak, we're able to tell others what he's saying. And so all of us here, we bear the image of God. And so therefore, when we join in his story, we're able to represent him in helping and partnering with him and redeeming people and blessing people. It's a, it's a hat. Um, I needed to find a red beanie, but I didn't have a red beanie because, um, you know, I wear my afro and, you know, that just doesn't work. Um, let's see. So the red beanie. I thought it was so funny to hear from you guys that um, you took a trip t- to Montana uh, during SBO because this story comes from that exa- that same experience, SBO trip to Montana. And I was so excited to share it with you guys. Um. Yeah, super crazy. Uh, let me just get here in my notes. Mm. Oh, here we go. So, yeah, on my spring break trip um, to Montana, we were there to help out the, the Chi Alpha that was there. And so we were going to go out into the campus and evangelize and then invite them to their Tuesday night meeting. And so that was that was our mission. And I was super excited about evangelism and sharing the gospel and just, you know, having, like, spiritual conversations with people. And I remember leading up to that trip, I felt attacked. Oh, Like, I would walk across the field, and I just felt all these things on me, and I'm like, Genesis, you got to pray now. Like, I feel like I'm getting attacked. And I remember my trip leader, Taylor Smith, he was like, You know, the devil only comes at you if you're going to be a threat for his kingdom. And I was like, oh, such an encouragement. Thank you. Thank you, sensei. Um, (laughs) And so we're on this trip. We're on this trip. And every single morning, 9 a.m., I don't know why I remember this, he would encourage us to get into the word of God um, and seek, seek him, seek him, seek him. And so I'm in the word of God. And I was reading somewhere up in the New Testament. And somehow the Holy Spirit was like, no, read Daniel, book of Daniel. So I'm reading, I'm like flipping through it, I'm reading really fast, and I get to the point where he had to r- like stand up and put God on the line, like he just put God on the line when when he declared that he wasn't going to bow down, um, and they got, you know, tossed into the furnace and everything, but he literally, he was like, I'm going to burn or God's going to save me, and I was like, bet God, like, if he didn't show up, you know, I was like, you sh- you need to show up, like, crazy. And so, like, there was an impression on me of, like, I want to do that. Like, I want to put God on the line. And so I was praying, and then Taylor was like, hey, guys, let's take the rest of this time, and let's just pray and ask God to give us a picture of anybody he wants us to speak to, what they look like, any sort of encouraging word to give. Like, let's just pray treasure hunting type thing. Let's, let's pray. So I'm praying, and I'm like, okay, God, is there anybody you want me to speak to? And it was so clear so clear. It was a lady in the library, and I actually saw what the library looked like before taking one step inside. And he was like, you're going to go down the stairs, coffee stand, up the stairs, you're going to go back into, like, this weird area around the corner. She's going to be in the very back studying. And she has a long brown ponytail, and it's braided down to the middle of her back. And I was like, dope. (laughs) So So I was like, okay, great. We got it. I got my partner. What was her name? It doesn't matter. Okay. So we got my partner, and I'm like, yo, God told me the library. Let's go. So we go there, and I'm, like, super eager because I'm like, it looks exactly the same. And we go inside. I'm, like, maneuvering. Go to the place, and no one's there. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe she's not here yet. So we leave, and we're having all these different conversations. And, um, yeah, they're good, you know, and I – Year, I like back then I used to measure the quality of a conversation based off of the length so I was like 45 minute conversations uh, and um, I we were walking and I see this guy with a red beanie and he had a Bible open on the table and I was like hey he looks like a Christian let's talk to non-believers so we just like bypassed him and we kept going and having other conversations and stuff and then later um, we went to a different part of the campus into the cafeteria and I see this same red beanie. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like twice in a row, repetition, Jesus. And so I was like, hey, I approached him. I was like, this is what I used to do. <laughs> I'm like, hi, we're Christians. Would you like to have a spiritual conversation? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And so I was like, great, can I have a seat? And he was like, yeah. And so we sit down, and literally the moment I sat down, it was like evil. I was like, ooh, like it just felt sickening to my stomach. And then he starts to speak. And he's, he was like, so tell me, um, you believe in God, right? I was like, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm, I'm a Christian. And uh, he's like, okay, cool. Do you sin? I was like, yeah, I do because I'm human. And he was like, oh, do you believe that God has sin in him? And I was like, no, then how can God be in you? That's, that's that's a great question and <laughs> and looking back at it now I'm like, the cross, Jesus, you know what I'm saying, but at that moment i wasn't I wasn't that strong, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't know, and so he starts talking and he starts explaining this warp theology about how. He doesn't sin. There's no sin found in him. He's perfect. There's a difference between spiritual sin and physical sin. And he's like, I can go out and murder a thousand people, but I would still be righteous and right standing, blah blah blah, all these different things. I was like, John 316 <laughs> says, <laughs> Um, I didn't I didn't know what to say. And I was a sophomore at the time, and my my teammate, she was a freshman, and she just looks at me and she's like, like code, you know, like, and I'm like, okay, so I'm, I'm trying to have this conversation with him, trying to listen, trying to understand what he's saying. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. So you're saying, okay, that this and this, and the conversation goes on for an hour and 45 minutes, and I'm sitting there, and he's like, you're of the kingdom of darkness. You work for Satan. All these different things, just accusing, 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 and it felt like I was just taking arrows, like taking shots, taking shots, Finally, he has to leave, so he brings his friend over to continue this, the conversation. Lord have mercy. I was like, this must be a demon, because she didn't breathe once. <laughs> Finally, I stand up, I'm like, enough. Thank you for this conversation. I'm done. And I take my teammate and I'm like, let's get out of here. And so we go outside and we just start bawling. We we're just we we're like, oh my gosh, what just happened? And and Leanne and Jarrett were there, so they came over and they prayed for us. And I was like, hey, let's go back to Taylor and just explain what happened. Like maybe he could help us. And so we go back there and I'm explaining this whole thing this whole situation with Taylor and um, he looks at me and he was like, "Sierra, I was praying for each of our teammates tonight or today." And he's like, "When I came to your name, God told me that someone was going to be saved." And he's like, "Did he talk to you?" And I was like, "The girl with the brown ponytail. Oh my gosh, she's in the library." And he was like, Satan is trying to distract you. He's trying to hurt you. He's like, go, go. And so we were like, hmm. And so we (laughs) (laughs) So we go out there. I'm like, okay, it's the library. She wasn't there before, you know, getting a little nervous. Like, who and um so we go, we go and I I look around the corner and there she is. So we go over and I'm like, Hi, I'm Sierra and this is gonna sound crazy, but I believe God wants to talk to you. Do you do you have a minute to sit down and have a conversation? And she was like, actually no, I'm studying for a math test and I was I was like, but God spoke to me like <laughs> And um Yeah, it, w- it was so I was so taken back by it. So the only thing I needed to say was like oh, okay, well, Chi Alpha is tonight at 7, it's going to be in this building, um, yeah, you you should come, she was like, okay, okay, (laughs) and so we walked away, and I go back to Taylor, and I was like, that was the weirdest and most awkward conversation I had that day, like, and, um. So we, we, we finished up and we all, we met all together and we were debriefing and sharing things. And I just felt so like wounded still. Like I was just still really, really hurt. And, um, I couldn't get my mind past it, past all the things that he was saying about me and being of the devil and working for him and his kingdom. And, um, yeah. And he was just like, he's perfect. All these different things. I was like, what, how does this make sense? And, um, so I was I was reading I was reading I was reading I was trying to oh, oh sorry not reading praying and praying I was like God help me help me and um he's like it's okay it's okay and finally he he brought me to scripture First John one eight and it says um, oh my goodness oh no I should have it memorized. I, d- I think I do, but I don't want to butcher it. Well, I'm going to say it from memory. Whoever claims to be without sin deceives himself, and the truth is not in him. The word of God is a sword, and, it's u- and I used to think it was only for going into battle, but sometimes it's used to scrape out the wounds with truth so that healing can happen. Later that evening, we went to Kylefa. she showed up, and she raised her hand to give her life to Christ. <laughs> Crazy. I'm sharing this because when we are willing, God will use us in his story, and he will use us to redeem people and to bless them. That mirror, um, you can pass it around if you want to. Um, it's really pretty. That's why I was like, you can pass it around. This is a mirror I got in India um, by one of my friends who I was sharing Jesus with her. Um, her name is Aisha, and she brought me to her nani's birthday. And um, In Hindi, they have different words for your grandma that's on your mom's side and your grandma that's on your dad's side. And so um, Nani means grandma on your mom's side. And so we went over to Ajmer, and it was like a six-hour train ride from Delhi, and um, we got to celebrate her birthday, her Nani's birthday with her, and it was just super cool to be to be able to celebrate that with her. And her Nani actually gave me that mirror. Um, yeah, amazing family, amazing family. Um, but this mirror symbolizes the me you don't see. The me you don't see. Um, my time in India, I mentioned it was really rough, and so I'm just going to share a little bit of like how rough it was. Um, the me you don't see is the person where other people can see it, but you can't. It's the parts of you that are really ugly. Really ugly. And when someone comes up to you and shares something like, hey, actually, that really hurt. That really hurt when you said this. I think y- you're struggling with pride. <laughs> I think you're struggling with being arrogant. I think you're struggling with um, With X, Y, Z, fill in the blank. You can either respond how I did, and I was like, you just don't understand me. Like You should take time to get to know me. Um, or you can respond with Hey, let me lean in. You, s- you said I was prideful. What do you mean? How did you see it? In what ways? Like, how did you hear it in my voice? Like, what was I saying that indicated to you that I was being prideful? Tell me more. Like, how did it impact you? How did it hurt you? Um, leaning into, like, you see something on me. My goodness. And during my time in India, I had no idea of that, that process. Um, and I was highly defensive. And so, joining India. I was super excited, super excited. Before I I even left, I just felt so honored by God that I get to partner with him and and going overseas and sharing the gospel with a bunch of Hindus. And um, I was zealous. My goodness. I was was ready. Like, I was studied up. I was prayed up. And I kept hearing from other missionaries because I would ask, like, what can you expect on the field? And they all the missionaries from India specifically said whatever's on the inside of you is squeezed out whatever's on the inside of you is squeezed out and i was like okay what was like what was that like for you and they would mention anxieties and man it's hot and stuff like it's super crowded and you have no peace of mind and honestly i was so judgmental i was like really like those are the things you're struggling with like anxieties i'm not anxious Mm. and i was like it's too hot i love the heat and so i was like those aren't problems and so when i prayed my prayers were were like god thank you for the ability to handle heat you know what i mean like talk about pride like literally what a pharisee does um and so when i got there or actually leading up to that um there were a couple of, like, trinkets and just amazing words that I was hearing from different people. Like, my boss, Glenn Davis, he 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 helped change a perspective in my mind. Because I, I was like, I'm going to go in there as a force, you know? Like, I'm going to share the gospel so radically, and I, I just want people to hear about who Jesus is. And then he shared with me about um, Jesus when um, Peter— cut the soldier's ear off. You guys remember that story? Um, he said, when we go in with brute force, all we're doing is removing someone's ability to hear the gospel. And I was like, wow, okay, I need to be softer. And so I felt like God was preparing me, preparing me with all these different things that I was learning. And so when I got to India, it was such a blind side that all of a sudden I'm, Hating the people that I'm trying to reach. I started gossiping because of all the frustrations that I had. Um, you guys know that venting is really not cool. We, we think we're like, oh, I just need to get it off my chest. I just need to get it off my chest. What we're doing is when we share with our frustrations with another person, we're giving them second-handed, second-handed anger. They have no reason to be angry at the other person, and so I was like, "Oh, my boss this, and my boss that and you know the other thing we're doing is we're ruining s- the reputation of someone um, and so I just i k- i just kept I just kept going off, I was being reactive, I was having a really difficult time and um another another difficulty was the fact that um I was the only POC on my team, um, and they they weren't facing the things that I was facing with always being called African, and knowing that, like, in that culture and the people around me, they looked down on Africans, so I was being looked down on all the time, and um, I didn't even get attributed to the culture that I was from, you know, um, and so the devil just had a playground with saying, you don't belong, you don't even belong on your team. And I just felt so isolated. I started to believe that. I started to see my team out to get me instead of being there for me. Um, And it wasn't until a retreat in Thailand um, when I went up to my team leader and a guest that they had. And I was like, I have this great idea. Why don't we all have a team meeting where we share all the things that are wrong with your leadership, is basically what I said, in front of a guest that they had. And so that guest then later took me aside and rebuked me. Thank you, Jesus. They rebuked me in so much gentleness and love. And afterwards, I took time to really pray and give it to God. And then um, I also went and apologized to my leader. I was like, wow, I had no idea what I was doing. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for how I made you feel, for making you feel like you were terrible leaders. um, and then Crystal Martin, God always does this for me. He confirms it with beautiful words. She, she was having a talk with just the ladies there, and she was talking about respect versus honor. And um, she mentioned that, like, the world wants respect. The world wants respect, and it's almost a way to distance yourself from people. Um, and she said, you know, the difference between respect and honor is respect is earned. Honor is given whether it's deserved or not. When we go to Jesus, when we go to God and we start sharing the difficulties that we have with and the frustrations we have with another person, you can be assured that God will never speak poorly about your name. He will never discredit you. He will never speak and or slander you. He will always lift you up in someone else's eyes. And that was what I needed to learn in myself. And so I'm sharing all of this. I'm sharing all this because in Proverbs 13, 18, it says, whoever disregards discipline comes to poverty and shame, but whoever heeds correction is honored. It's a, it's a good skill. It's a life skill. It's a part of transformation to be able to involve other people in your life to catch your blind spots. You cannot see it on your own. Transformation takes People. You cannot transform into the man or woman of God you want to be and what God desires you to be in isolation. The devil works in isolation. We have to process our thoughts with people. We have to allow people to challenge who we are. Because otherwise, wanting to partner and join in God's story gets limited. I didn't have a sports jersey because I don't really care about sports. (laughs) (laughs) But I had a Columbia sports jacket and I was like, ah, that works. Um, and it's, um, an AMI sweatshirt as well. And it represents team. It represents unity and kind of goes along with what I was sharing beforehand. Um, but this one specifically is about conflict. Um, Something that I've always really struggled with is conflict. I, I just, I hate it so much. And um, I used to shy away from it all the time. And don't get me wrong, I still do, praise the Lord. <laughs> um, but we were having a conversation in our office one day, and all of us were gathered around the table. And, um, and we're, we're sitting down, and all of us start sharing all these stories about when we got really, really angry because we were entering into conflict. And honestly, I was sitting around the table being like, y'all crazy. Like, because they were sharing stories of like, yeah, I threw things. Yeah, she made me break a table. Yeah, like, <laughs> she was like, my husband, you know, he he could be wild me up. And I like threw something and yelled something. And I was like, oh, my goodness, you guys are crazy. And in my head, I'm like, okay, is there a story where I've gotten angry? And I'm like. I tend to just walk away and um, or, and leave, and leave the person. Like, I lived the lifestyle of cancel culture, basically. I was just like, uh, it's not worth it. What I ended up saying to people is, you're not worth it. You're not worth my time. You're not worth my effort. I don't value you. Um, yeah, and I almost wore it as a badge of honor, of like, I don't get into conflict. You know, like I'm a I, I keep the peace, man. I'm adaptable. Um and so I've been learning that conflict is an amazing gift from God. <laughs> conflict is amazing to get to peace. There's a difference between being a being a peacekeeper versus being a peacemaker. Yeah. It is good. And my pastor um, in Delhi, Pastor Akshay, he wrote an article, and I just want to read a little bit about the difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. He says, a peace ma- a peacekeeper sorry, is when we keep our feelings suppressed, we keep our thoughts repressed, and we keep our tongues stuck to the roof of our mouths because we might say the wrong thing and end up in an unwanted conflict. Ooh, if you're feeling me now. <laughs> that is me. I get into situations where I know if I said something it would cause conflict so I'm not going to say it. I know if I shared how that actually hurt me it's now uncomfortable. So I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to keep it to myself. Because because if I keep it to myself, I feel safe. Self-preservation. He also says but conflict is not a sin. Anger is not evil. And making right judgments is not bad judgment. I believe that conflict was unnecessary and disagreements equaled stubbornness. But without conflict, how can you get the truth? How do you become... Ooh, sorry, sorry. Scoop, scoop. Sorry, I lost track in my notes. My finger slipped. How do you get the truth? How do you become honest with yourself and how can you face reality? The truth is not painless. Honesty is not easy. And reality does not come naturally. Therefore, peace is made. Sometimes going through conflict and not sidestepping it. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. God does not command us to be quiet and listen, refuse to speak, and never move towards anger. He actually commands us to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and be slow to be angry. Anger is not something to fear, but to learn how to control, because God actually commands us to go towards anger slowly and to get through it without sinning. This is the gospel message. When we sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned and sin came into the world, God got angry. And he rebuked the snake, the man, the woman. And it led him into creating peace. Led him into creating um, and sending his son Jesus into the world to bring peace. He's called the prince of peace. If he did not have that righteous anger, there wouldn't be a need that he would have just left like I do. He would have just been, forget it, forget it. But righteous anger over what sin did led him to peace. Conflict is beautiful. the thing about conflict, too, is you have to have other people in your life. You need people. Don't ever fool yourself into thinking that you can grow alone. Godly transformation takes community. Yeah. When we join in God's story, it revolves people redeem people and to bless people, and people always come with conflict, because we're always striving and going and moving towards making peace. So if we are to join in God's story, we have to be willing to enter into conflict. I think there might be one more. Who has a bag that hasn't shared? Okay, you. Is there someone else? is my calling back into ministry. It's a really, really great story. And I'm so thankful for God. So um, after India, after taking time to heal um, and working through all that depression, all that yuck, um, I came to the point where I was like, God, I love you, but I'm done with ministry. I I served I I want to fulfill and finish out my two-year commitment with AGWM, but um, God, it's very clear to me that I'm not cut out for it. Um, It's too hard, and I'm not enough. And so as I was finishing up my counseling sessions, um, I came to this kind of stance, and um, that's when I transitioned to AMI to volunteer with them and finish out my my two-year commitment with AG. I had about five months left. And um, being a part of that different culture, um, because we're an evangelistic ministry, they encourage us to go to make sure that we're evangelizing once a week. Um, if we're asking other people to do it, we've got to make sure we're doing it. And so um, so I was like, okay, yeah, I'm a part of this community. I'm a part of this team. I'm going to do this. And um, so there was one one s- church service I was at. And I looked at the – there was a couple behind me, and I was like, okay, like, I'm going to share the gospel with them. And if they're already believers, I'll encourage them and and give some prayer. And so um, after the service, I turned around, I introduced myself, and I started getting to know them. And they were clearly Christian uh, as to the way that they were speaking. They were like, praise the Lord and hallelujah and amen. And I was like, okay, we got it. And so I was speaking with them, and so I ended up saying, hey, is there anything I could be praying for uh, you about? And the husband was like, "Yeah, I have a lot of back pain," um, and he was like, "It's to the point where sometimes I'll pass out, um, and it's been happening for years." And he's like, "It's it's just it's horrendous." So I was like, "Yeah, I'll love to pray with you for healing." And so um, I was like, "Can I can I put my hand on, on your back?" And he's like, "Yeah, of course." And so I put my hand there and I start praying. And after I'm done praying, I look and I'm like, "Hey, did God heal you? Is the pain gone? Can you move and do all these things?" And he's like, "It's still there." I was like, "Okay." awkward. Can I pray for you again? He was like, yeah, okay. And so I put my hand on him. I start praying and everything. And um, it was a good prayer. And I asked him again, I'm like, are you healed? And he was like, yeah, but he's like, I am healed, but I feel like God has a word for me uh, to give to you. And he was like, you prayed for me a second time. And the faith it took to pray a second time same faith it takes to go back into ministry. He had no idea that I was considering not going back into ministry anymore. And so I was like, oh Lord, you're so good. And so later that night I went back and I started praying and I was like, God, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, um, I was reading a book called experiencing God by black blackabay blackabay or something and um in it i started reading and it said what is god where is god moving and is he inviting you into it so i asked myself that question and both of those answers were ami so my god i think i'm supposed to be in ministry so i messaged the boss and, and i was like i think god is leading me to join ami and join join you guys and um they were like, we're so happy for you, Sierra. This is so great. And um, so I went through the application process and had interviews with them while I was sick with COVID, if you can believe it. And, um, yeah, God, and I and I made it. And I'm now the mission coordinator with them. And, um, yeah, I want to share that um, John 12, 24 says, very truly, I tell you, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. That whole time in India was me dying. Healing was me dying. And now I'm in a place where for the first time in my life I'm starting to see real fruit. This last thing I'm going to share, I don't have a bag for, but it's been something that God has been impressing on my heart for a really long time, and it's changed the way that I think in so many, so many ways, so I just wanted to share it with you. John fifteen sixteen says, God did not choose, or sorry, you did not choose me, this is Jesus speaking, you did not choose me, I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. You did not choose me. I chose you. Is what Jesus said. And when we join in God and his story, when we partner with him in his work, it does feel like we make that choice. And for the long time, that's how I was operating. I made the choice. I made the choice. So when India hit and it got rough, my thoughts then turned into, I made the choice. I have to stick this out. Otherwise, I'm a quitter. I'm a failure. I'm, I'm all these things, X, Y, Z. God specifically said, you did not choose me. I chose you. And what that means is the way I was viewing it, when the going got tough, I believe that Jesus could turn to me and say, I didn't choose you. You chose this. You have to stick it out. You chose to partner with me. How dare you quit on me? I'm your king. But instead, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, said, you did not choose me. I chose you. Therefore, your growth, your mistakes, your everything, I'm fully responsible for. It is not you who's responsible for staying here. It's me. So when you go over there, when you wander away, when you cry out to me, I want to come because I'm fully responsible for you. When we join with God in his ministry, it's him. He's responsible for the mission. He's responsible for you. He wants us to join him and partner with him in the redemptive work to see people redeemed to see people blessed and we and he gives us trust the things that he the the responsibilities he gives us trust because he's a trusting god and we and every single work that we get is dignifying us like it gives us dignity it brings us hope it brings us purpose and it's amazing to join with him but ultimately when the going gets tough Jesus then turns to us and says, I know, let me come and help you. (laughs) Let me be there for you. Let me encourage you. And so as we wrap up this series, um, I just want to share with you all these things of my life, all these different charms have just showed me the goodness and how great our God is. He is an amazing God. He's redeemed my life in so many ways. I would not be here for him. I would not be here for him. Like, he's so amazing. His love. His love for you. is so vast. And he wants us to be able to give that to other people. He wants people to receive who he is. How much love he has for him. How much he wants to redeem their life and bring freedom and bring joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Like he loves us and wants to bless us. That's his mission. And when we partner with him, it's an amazing ride. It's an amazing ride. So I want to say that um, the last thing I want to do is just give people that opportunity. Um, I know when I was in college, like it was the first time I really decided to follow Jesus um, the first time I, I really looked in, in the mirror and and saw my sin for what it was, and saw Jesus for who He was, and um, I want to give anybody here the opportunity. Um, Jesus, man, He came into this world um, because there was there was a wedge between us and God. It caused sin. It caused it caused so much shame and. Literally wants, uh, it literally makes us want to hide and be by ourselves, be isolated, and just be tormented by our own thoughts. But Jesus came to be the bridge between that and to offer a hand and to bring us back into right standing with God. We can approach him freely and confidently. Um, his death is the payment of our sins, so we don't have to be separated from him for the rest of our lives. And And when we partner with him and when we, make Jesus Lord of our life, um, we get to experience his resurrecting power. And so um, I would love for all of us to just close our eyes. And I just want to give anybody who's here who hasn't made Jesus your Lord and Savior, hasn't called upon him to join in his story, and make him a part of your life. He is a gentleman, and he will wait until you give him permission. So if there's anyone here who would like to invite Jesus into your life, will you raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Yes, amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you. God, thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus. And I want to invite, too, if there's anyone here who loves Jesus, but, man, wants to really make their life and each charm, each event in your life, um, to join in God's mission, to have that be a thread that is a common denominator through every decision, every action that you make. And you want to rededicate your life to Jesus and join him in his story. Will you raise your hand? Thank you, Jesus. I want to lead us in a prayer especially for those who raised your hand to accept Jesus for the first time in your life Um, and will we all join in together um, as a family um, and supporting them so will you repeat after me Say, Jesus I thank you for being Lord God I have made so many mistakes I am a sinner and I need you Lord Jesus, will you come be a part of my life? God, I accept you and I proclaim that you are Lord. And you are Savior. And I commit for the rest of my life to follow you, to obey your commands, and to build a relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. God, thank you so much. God, let's let's clap. There's like four people who just gave their life to Jesus today. That's so cool. Wow. And for those four people, I just want to say let's connect you to a, a core group leader or a staff member so they can get you plugged in and give you resources and and just be there with you on this journey. It's the best decision that you've made in your entire life. And for the rest of you who decided, I want to rededicate, I want to get serious with Jesus, um, we're going to just take time to pray for each other. And so if you want to, to group yourselves, um, we're just going to take the next few minutes and just pray for it, pray with one another. Um, we're living life with Jesus. We're joining him and in, st- in his story, and we do it together as a team. So, yeah, go ahead. Just kind of group together. If you find someone that's behind you, you can meet with them as well. And that's awesome.